welcome. I am your host, Joshua. I assume you know you're listening to Fusion Fantasy Football. If you're not, if you're new, welcome. Here we try, and uh, during the season, I'll be trying to share different perspectives from around the fantasy industry, all in one place, so you don't have to listen to 20 different podcasts throughout the week. But for now, we're in preseason mode, and that is draft prep season. So I have these team projection snapshots on the website, fusionffb.com, and you can check that out and follow along. Today we will be doing the NFC South, and I have a guest along. Uh, So I'll cut over to that to recording in just a moment uh, to talk about the New Orleans Saints. Hopefully you checked out my last episode. Yeah, I know it was was corny, but uh, we've been... We've been serious lately and pushing through these snapshot reviews and kind of needed a break, but we're going to get back into it. Going to try and finish up all of these divisions. I've got about four more to go, and then we will be turning our eyes towards week one and actually getting some information together to help us right out the gate on week one, looking at matchups and so forth and uh, who to target maybe Included in that will be some of those uh, late round, last round guys you want to pick up who have a chance to show out in week one and you want them on your bench first instead of having to go to the waiver. You don't want to be that guy scrambling to the waiver after week one finishes before week two and blowing all your fab uh, for a guy that you could have picked up with your last pick over some other player that you were hoping would be something later in the season, but you need someone now, and those are the guys we're going to look for. But snapshots reviews, we're not done. Let's go. We did have uh, some technical and audio glitches. Cleaned it up as best I could. If you stick with it, we're going to do, like I said, the Saints first and then continue into the rest of the division. And uh, Chris has some real good perspective and interesting take on Alvin Kamara, which is why I brought him in. Okay, let's go. All right, I am doing today the snapshot review for the New Orleans Saints, and I am joined by my guest, Chris Knowles. He is a NFL news correspondent at gridironexperts.com and a fantasy football writer at FF Dynasty 260 where you can find his recent article on Alvin Kamara. And it caught my eye on Twitter, and I thought it was a pretty good read. So I invited him on for our New Orleans Saints snapshot review. You can find him on Twitter, at cnalls83, that's two L's. And his article, uh, I think, is pinned on his account there. And I will make sure it's in the show notes, in the episode notes down below. So uh, welcome, Chris. Thanks for joining me. Oh, man. Appreciate it. I'm excited. Okay, so um, I'm going to start off here. What I would usually do is go over the quarterback first because that's kind of my, at least for the receivers, that's the number that then we get to divide up and see if it makes sense. So I'm just going to talk here for a moment about how that came up with, which for Drew Brees, a lot of, especially for veterans, it's a lot easier to figure out. Um, Drew Brees kind of had a down year last year, so there is a little bit of a guessing game of, was this a down year because of his age, or was this just because so much more production seemed to go towards 
the running backs. And I, like I say on these sheets, it's a reasonable expectation. I'm not trying to shoot for the exact number necessarily. I'm trying to give what we can probably most likely expect. And so I kind of shot the difference between. I didn't give him his, you know, 650 targets and 37 touchdowns of a couple years ago. But I also I also didn't shortchange him as much as last year. So I have him up near almost 600 uh, attempts, 430 completions, 4,700 yards, and right down the middle at 30 touchdowns as opposed to, uh, like I said, he was down to 23 last year, but 37 the year before. So I split it down the middle and said, we'll give him 30. Um, and that comes up with, and then his interceptions are always right around 11, sometimes more or less. He was a little less last year, but I mean, he had less volume too. So that's to be expected. So if he follows through with those numbers in fantasy points, that comes out to 294, which puts him right up on the edge of that top five. So that's a lot of numbers. Uh, Chris, did, did you've got a chance to look at this and... Is there anything right off the bat? This is important because if you disagree with something here, it's going to show itself. It's going to pop up later. So any thoughts on that? So, yeah, I definitely agree with uh, the way Breeze has uh, declined last year. And, and when I mean decline, I don't mean like a total collapse or anything. But uh, he did definitely regress. Uh, but I think that's due in part because of Sean Payton's, I want to say, new offense, I guess, with, with uh, more of a running attack. But, uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said there on his numbers. Uh, I think those are some pretty good uh, numbers uh, for, for Breeze. Yeah, no, that, that, that I agree with. Okay, and you can agree with disagree with me. Don't don't get me wrong. But, no, uh, no. Yeah, I see a bit of a bounce back the year from Breeze this year, which is funny because last year I was I was kind of skeptical of him last year because of all the reasons that were the same reasons we were skeptical about him the year before. And it's funny how ADPs just float up and down, and yet all the reasons are the same, that they're obviously showing more emphasis in the running game. He's lost a receiver, you know, because he lost Colson and then Cooks back-to-back years. And I was trying to figure out, well, why is we suddenly expecting him to be good again? Um, so I wasn't surprised when he dropped. I wasn't expecting a huge drop-off, still top 10, but out of the top, his usual top five or even three. We'll get to it, but I think... Um, Ingram being gone. And there's a few things here that I, I see some regression, positive regression, go back to his normal numbers. Maybe not, like I said, his at his prime, but I don't think his, his age is going to hurt him that much. I'll hit on the receivers. We're here for Kamara with you, but I kept Michael Thomas pretty much at his numbers from last year. And I just gave him more touchdowns because his we only have one previous year to go off of. But even um, just wide receiver averages for his usage, he was way below average touchdowns for how much he's used. And I just think that's open for, again, positive regression. So I gave him more touchdowns. And then we have Brandon Coleman still around. I recently saw in the news he is getting healthy. There had been something about him starting on the PUP. But it looks like he's, he's getting healthy. I don't think they're going to use him a ton because they have Traquan Smith, the rookie, coming in, and they have free agent, uh, I guess technically a free agent, Cameron Meredith. And I'm not sure what to do with either one of them. Again, these are, I often end up splitting the middle. 
and I will continue to update and refine these throughout the off throughout the preseason. So as it starts to come into focus, maybe I can get better numbers um, for all of you late drafters. These will hopefully be even more accurate as we get down towards the end of August. Um, is there anything there with the receivers? Um, because basically Alvin Kamara is their wide receiver too. That's how I'm looking at it as far as his usage. Is there anything with the wide receivers you want to talk about? Yeah, the one that I, I kind of really like is uh, is Cameron Meredith. Um, uh, he, he's, he's kind of a, a stud, in my opinion, uh, stud signing for uh, that, that offense. Uh, like I said, I know they have gone to more of a to, to a running approach last year, uh, you know, Michael Thomas didn't really have that, that solid wide receiver two to help take pressure off of off of him and uh, and Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn's more of a a, a stretcher. Um, I, I really like Cameron Meredith there. That that's that's there to help take some pressure off of Michael Thomas. But I also do like the uh, draft pick in Traquan Smith, who who to me is a a field stretcher, uh, kind of like Ginn. But uh, yeah. I really, really, really like Cameron Meredith this year. Okay, and we might we might return to Cameron Meredith after talking to Kamara. Then, um, I mean, I kind of I kind of already obviously read your article, so let's let's go to Alvin Kamara here. What what are you expecting from Alvin Kamara, and why? Um, uh, stat wise, um, I definitely think he's going to rush for a thousand yards. Um, I know that may be an unpopular. Um, uh, opinion, but uh, I really like him with uh, Ingram out of the way for the first four games. Uh, I think I think given the, the opportunities uh, to Kamara, those first four games are going to show uh, that he can be the lead back in New Orleans for sure. Um, I, I I think it'd be easily a thousand yards and, and eight to nine touchdowns, uh, and also putting up some some. You know, four or five hundred receiving yards. I think his receiving yards will decline a little bit. I do have him as a wide receiver three there in New Orleans, um, kind of behind Thomas and Cameron Meredith. Um, so I, I do think his rushing uh, stats will go up. I think his receiving stats will take a little dip, uh, not not a not, you know not a huge huge dip. Yeah. So in your article, I believe you said something like uh, eleven hundred rushing yards, seven hundred receiving yards. Yeah. I, I, you know, I want to say 700 because I, I think uh, it's possible, but I just really like Cameron Meredith as as more that, that I keep looking at that offense. It really kind of depends on Breeze and, and how they, they, they're going to play that offensive scheme this year. But I, I'm, I'm going to go, and, and, and maybe I overshot that a little bit because I do like Alvin Kamara, uh, his, especially his receiving ability. But I'm going to say um, – I'm gonna say maybe maybe four or five hundred yards possibly um, receiving. I I just think he's gonna be more of that that rushing uh, factor for the Saints this season when when Ingram is not there for the first four. And I pinpoint that is because I think they're they're when, when Kamara is there rushing those first four games, the Saints will realize um, that that he is the guy that he can be the guy. Um, I know Sean Payton usually doesn't like to uh, have just one running back. But uh, he, to me, is an ultimate – he's an ultimate weapon kind of a running back, man. He's a pretty special kid. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, that's interesting. And I, I definitely would have way more uh, targets assigned for him 
than it sounds like you do. I, the reason I mentioned those numbers, I thought it was interesting that that was 1,800 all-purpose mm-hmm. yards, which is actually the same amount I came up with. I came up with very similar um, totals in yardage and touchdowns, but we just divided them up differently between the rushing mm-hmm. game and receiving. So I, yeah, I, uh, I guess I respected a little bit more that the Ingram, uh, at least his role, was going to continue, and they were not going to try and use Kamara too much as a big back. Um, his efficiency was pretty crazy yeah. in 2018. I mean, record breaking. I mean, no one should be projecting him to continue. I mean, that would be like projecting. Uh, Deshaun Watson to score what it was at 70 touchdowns or something. Yeah, that was going crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's the same idea. We've got to reel it in a little bit, but you could still say he's going to get maybe at least average, but probably above average. And so even with that, I, I that's what I pretty much used him at. I, I still gave him some respect with efficiency. I just wonder if, uh, do you think he can sustain that volume needed to get back into the top five without that efficiency? Obviously, you think that that volume is going to come in the rushing game then. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely think uh, he will, will get all that, that volume. I really, really believe, and in, in like I said again, these first four games, I think he shows that Sean Payton can lean on him as the guy I'm not a huge Ingram fan, but I do believe he shows Sean Payton um, that he can be the guy. And um, with with Ingram out of the way, uh, I think there's nothing but open field and opportunity for Kamara this year. I really believe that. I, I think he will finish as a uh, definitely finish as a top ten fantasy running back this year. Um, sorry for the crickets in the trees, man. <laughs> yeah, obviously you have Ingram being. With his suspension, you're you're thinking that they're gonna try and replace Ingram with one of these other guys, and in the end, they're gonna just just give up and leave Kamara in there. Yeah. So yeah, right, right. Mark Ingram is someone that's I think he's a 28 year old running back going on 29. He's produced only uh, over a thousand yards twice in his career, and that's in 2016 and last year in 2017. I just don't see why the Saints. Would uh would in, would would continuously I guess invest in him? Well, a lot of those a lot of those total numbers were low because of uh, of injury in there. But he's always been uh he's been pretty effective when he has been healthy and he has been playing. Yeah, I see that that I have to I have to disagree. I, he's always been a running back that when he's pushed, he will then perform. Right. I remember when when a couple years back when Mark Ingram fumbled. Uh, and Tim Hightower got the rock, and he started producing 100. Like I think it was one game he had 100 and something yards and a touchdown. You know, Mark Ingram has to play angry in order to produce, and I think that's why uh, you, you kind of saw him ball out last year and had Kamara there to push Ingram. Um, that, that's my. I know that's kind of a silly way of looking at it, but I'm just not a big believer in Ingram. I do think the Saints' offensive line has improved greatly over the past couple of years. That that is that is true. Hey, you're you're welcome to disagree with me. So we're gonna I'm gonna go back to the sheet fair just for a bit, and I figured we would have to when we were talking about Meredith. So you would see Karen, uh, Alvin Kamara maybe more in the 80 90 target range, and all of those targets plus maybe some elsewhere should be going to Meredith. Yes, uh, I mean looking back at 
Willie Sneed's number. Yeah, I think Sneed had like 117. He was right around 100 for a couple of years. He definitely had 100 targets in uh, 15 and 104 in, in 2016. It's it's a little absurd of how many targets he actually got. For whatever reason, I'm not sure why he's out of there. But yeah, I couldn't help but that reading that just as kind of out of necessity. They they didn't really have anyone filling that yeah. role at that time. And uh, and I'm not sure you're right. I'm not sure who is going to fill that role. I thought it might be Brandon Coleman a couple years back, but I, clearly I think that ship sailed. In terms of in terms of Willie Sneed? Yeah, being more of the underneath uh, option. Yeah. yeah. In the center of the field. Yeah, I don't think Cameron Meredith is going to play that style. Um, right. And I mean that because he's a 6'3 uh, wide receiver, but I, I just think he's a great quality, big-bodied wide receiver too in the NFL. I mean, he had... Um, a good 2016 uh, back when he was, I guess uh, you could call that really breaking out and had a lot of high hopes in 2017 before getting injured. But um, I right. mean, in just 97 targets, he had 888 yards. So I, I definitely think he could get close to, uh, I'd say about 80, 80 targets easily. Yeah. He's definitely one of the guys that I was going to be keeping an eye on here and, and possibly have to adjust up. But for Kamara to get over 1,100 rushing yards, uh, you would see him getting more than 200 attempts, or or his efficiency is going to have to still be above five. Man, I would definitely have to say, yeah, I think I think he could definitely get over 200 attempts uh, for sure. Um, I think that he had 120 last year. I believe if I may. That sounds about right. And I have him at 180. So I kept him at pretty much that pace plus credit for the games when he was at the beginning of the season, essentially. He didn't really take off because of uh, Adrian Peterson was there. Right. Once that trade went through, he uh, he really went to another level. That's why I kind of put him so high is those first four games to me are so important. I do believe Kamara will definitely get uh, 200 touches plus this season for sure. Well, in the rush attempts, um, 200. I have him for 97 receptions. That's very high. I think they really emphasize him because I, I think, um, like you even noted, a lot of these guys, Meredith and Smith, are outside again. And I think Kamara's just going to eat up the middle of the field with short receptions just to increase his uh, efficiency. I think... Obviously, I have to. These are expectations, kind of things. So for now, I'm kind of keeping Ingram, or at least that role, at the same type of usage as last year. But Kamara's usage did did overtake Ingram in the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not always representative of a regular season. But there may be something right there. You may you may be you may be right on with that. That he's just gonna continue along that trajectory. Was there anything else going back through? Uh, I usually try to look at who is a good value maybe at each position according to ADP. This is draft season after all. Mm-hmm. So uh, is there any any player or two who jumps out at you as being especially good value? I mean, maybe maybe it's Meredith. I don't want to put word in your mouth, name in your mouth, but anyone else? Maybe possibly Traquan Smith. I don't think. Ted Ginn is going to be there much longer uh, due to age, and, and I think he could have some value there. Um, I, I really, really like Boston Scott as a sleeper. Yeah, Boston Scott, um, he was an interesting that they took him. Almost, almost kind of wondered if he's he's kind of the direct Kamara backup 
you know, worst case situation. And they also recently signed, I don't have that updated on my sheet. I'll probably before this episode come out, go back over this and make sure it's updated. But uh, they also recently signed Shane Vereen. And I mean, I'm not sure again what that means. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on, uh, especially in Dynasty. I know Scott was going uh, as, as early as some third rounds and rookie drafts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a big, big Boston Scott fan for the future of the, the Saints for sure. And I would I'd have to probably say those those two. Yeah, Meredith is hard to say because some people are are buying him at a high value. So he may not even be an ADP value at this point, although they probably he's not going at his ceiling of what he could do. So if you wanted to roll that dice, he could really pay off. He's he's going right around 11, uh, 11.06 uh, where Marquise Lee and Mike Williams are going. And uh, I feel comfortable taking Cameron Meredith there over those guys. Like I said, he's he's pretty um, reasonably priced. And if you are seeing good reports from him after listening to this and uh, and he's still going at that range, he could be a real value. There's always real value in the wide receiver, two and even sometimes three for the Saints. All right. Well, uh, Chris, thank you again for joining me. I really enjoy your perspectives on Kamara. I liked hearing that perspective about him really becoming their number one running back. A lot of people are hesitant to see him in that full-fledged role. So uh, it's interesting to hear from someone who sees that as a possibility. And uh, take the time. Go ahead. Where where else can they find you? You can repeat what I said already or if there's anything I missed. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys can always follow me. Hit me up on Twitter uh, at C-N-A-L-L-S-83. That's at CNALLS83. Um, you guys can always give me a follow. Uh, shoot me over a DM if you have any fantasy questions. I'm always down to talk some fantasy football. Uh, and be sure to check out um, at FFD260 as well as at Gridiron Experts. Okay, thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot, Josh. Okay, so hopefully you got something out of the Saints there. And now we're going to move on to the Carolina Panthers. Now, the Panthers are actually interesting because if you recall way back, I think it was episode four, I want to say, Skepticism was the name of it. And uh, it was going through the Carolina Panthers and their targets and so on that was really a precursor to this idea of the snapshots and what led me to uh, dig into it deeper and kind of look at things this way where I found Cam Newton's attempts, his average attempts for a season, and then tried to divide those up and came up with reasons why I was worried about McCaffrey's targets not going up as many were saying his increased involvement in the offense. And I said, well, he may be more involved in the run game, but I don't see how his targets can go up more. So that was kind of a bit of the genesis of this whole project. So here we go, Cam Newton. I have 495 attempts, 312 completions, 3,400 uh, passing yards, 25 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That comes out to 288 points. Christian McCaffrey, he had 113 targets last year, but that was with him and Funchess making up combined about 23% each. So hashtag math, 52% of their offense was going through those two guys last year. And that was because they didn't have a third reliable option like they've added now, maybe third and fourth. And Greg Olson was injured. 
So those things combined is why they got so much volume. I don't see how they can keep that up. So I have Christian McCaffrey for only 100 targets. His efficiency could go up. That is perfectly acceptable second-year player, more involved, more in tune with his, his quarterback. So I have 75 receptions for 750 passing yards and six. I gave him six touchdowns. I see good things in the red zone for this team. Devin Funchess, I did not take away from him much. I gave him 120. He keeps him right about where he was last year, if not a bit more. I don't see how they can get away from using him. Again, he's a big red zone target, nine touchdowns for him. Lower catch rate, but uh, still a lot of yards, 900 yards, 68 receptions. And that gives Funches 212 PPR points. I have Torrey Smith for 30 targets, DJ Moore for 75. And then you've got the other receivers, Curtis Samuel, maybe Demir Bird, picking up a few here and there. And uh, most of the targets I'm seeing here are going to go towards DJ Moore. And then we have the tight end, Greg Olson. Greg Olson traditionally gets in the 120s for three years straight and was still on track for that almost with his injury. So I, I did give him a little bit less. I gave him 110 uh, with 68 receptions, 763 yards, five touchdowns, and that comes out to 174 PPR points. Um, I'm actually not sure where that puts him on the total rankings. I believe it's still top five. Some of those numbers recently changed, so you can check that out on the website. They may even change after you listen to this or after I record it, at least. So that's it for the receivers. Down on the rushing, we have, um, they're usually up around 400, upper 400 attempts for 2,000 yards. A lot of that is because Cam Newton runs a good amount. I brought his attempts down a little bit. So 100 attempts on 540 rush yards with four touchdowns. Uh, that's a big part of his points. Remember, we said he had 288 points. He's not getting 288 points as a pure passer like a Tom Brady is. Okay, He's getting 78 of those points just from on the ground running and touchdowns. So C.J. Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, that's the question here. How do they get split up? And, hey, I'll be honest, I split it down the middle, 180 for Anderson and 180 for Christian McCaffrey. Lately, McCaffrey's been in the news. Uh, the coaches were talking about him getting something ridiculous like 25 to 30 touches a game and saying that would be ideal. Now, that would not be ideal, actually. Um, you want McCaffrey getting those high-efficiency touches. We've talked about this. And you want Anderson bearing the brunt of the low-efficiency attempts. Use him there. That's where he's good. That's uh, that's what he did in Denver. He's a churner. Uh, good leg strength. I, I'm, I think they're going to use him a good amount. That's uh, actually a little less than they used Stewart last year. So I could I could even see him getting used more. But I didn't want to take anything away from McCaffrey because I do think they will get him more involved in the rushing game this year. He had last year 117 rush attempts. I see that going up. Uh, like I said, to 180 for 720 yards. And I gave him five touchdowns. C.J. Anderson, I gave him four touchdowns. So C.J. Anderson ends up with 112 PPR points. And McCaffrey, when you add in the 
receiving points, he ends up with 288 PPR points. This puts him solidly once again back in the top 12. Look, I don't love Christian McCaffrey generally, but it's hard to see how he doesn't put up points because he's so involved in the passing game. It's simple as that. I, I can't get around it. He's a top 12 back. Uh, if people are fading him because of C.J. Anderson or because they are so focused on the rushing aspect, look, it's 2018. This is what running backs do. We are having running back renaissance, not because the running backs are running better, but because they finally figured out to use them in the receiving game. That's all. That's where these points are coming from. You want the receivers. You want the running backs who can be receivers. So that's pretty much it for the Panthers. I did update on the website. I put in some tiers for each positional ranking. And at the bottom of the ranking pages, you will be able to find a link to the full spreadsheet, uh, Google Sheet, that I have open for anyone with a link. You can't edit it, but you can see it, and you can actually go in and see I have in there. I imported as of... Uh, August 4th, the Fantasy Football Calculator ADP, and you can see in there that some players are some good values compared to where they have them in the ABP versus my rankings, and Christian McCaffrey is one of those that's a big, green, large number, meaning he is being drafted much later than I have him ranked. So that would be my value here. Greg Olson is often getting drafted late um, after the fifth round, and I see him in the top four. If you want that solid contributor, but you don't want to pay up for a Kelsey or a Gronk or even an Ertz, who I've we'll get to when we get to NFC East, but I mentioned before I have doubts of him uh, matching what he did last year, uh, which is basically what Greg Olson does every year. So I would see Greg Olson as being a great option here, and some people are going to say, well, he's an injury risk or so on. Um, I've been thinking about the idea of if you can get him at a good enough value, then who cares? Because you'll know when you can start him. And when you can start him, he'll get you points. And it's great to talk about value here. You can not draft as many players as you want because you can get someone else on their team for better value. But at the end of the day, the point of fantasy football, guys, hear me out. The point is to get the most net points on your starting lineup as you can. That's the point. We're not trying to build bench points. We're not trying to build an all-star team of names. We're trying to get the largest bottom line as we can. The bottom line is what counts here. And sometimes that means you draft a guy earlier because he's going to get you that bottom line. And you can have people criticize you and tell you that, oh, that wasn't great value, but who cares it's week-to-week, week, bottom line. And if Greg Olson is, when he's playing healthy, if he's getting you those weeks, then that's what matters. And you know what? When he's injured, that's fine. You put him on IR, or if he's out for the season, you drop him in a redraft, and you stream tight end, which is what the other alternative would have been anyway. So who cares? Get the best players you can in your starting lineup every week. We're going to move on. Tampa Bay. So Jameis Winston obviously has his uh, three-game suspension. So the numbers on this sheet are a little unique but because of that. I still kept in the numbers, 
but then I prorated it for only 13 games. So I have him for, again, these are for the 13 games. So these numbers are going to sound a little low. So I have 459 attempts, 286 completions, 3,500 yards, 24, 25 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 191 points. Now, 191 points, that's pretty low. That puts him at near the bottom. But if you're looking at per game, it's actually 235-ish, which is still not great. Okay. So I have here Mike Evans is commanding a large share of the offense again. 136 targets, 70 receptions, 1,000, just barely 1,000 yards, 8 touchdowns. And he does this with, with volume. Deshaun Jackson, uh, often forgotten, maybe a great value here, 75 targets. Uh, Adam Humphreys, 30 targets. Justin Watson, I think, will get some time maybe in the slot, especially if he can push Humphreys out of the way. But I, I do see Deshaun Jackson as being possible possible value here. I have him for 41 receptions, 558 yards, two touchdowns. Those touchdowns could go up if Winston and Jackson uh, finally start to get on the same page and get into rhythm. Last year, there was a lot of good passes, a lot of good runs, a lot of good routes, but they just, they weren't quite together. If they can get it, that chemistry down, Winston can get a better feel for where to place the ball for Jackson. Those could go up with a couple big plays. The third option here is, of course, Chris Godwin. Big name in the offseason. A lot of people have been trumping him up. He had some good games last year at the end of the season, especially with Fitzpatrick. That's who he's going to start the season with. He could start the season strong and not let it go and be the wide receiver too here. I only have him for 75 attempts, 46 completions, 713 yards, three touchdowns. That's 135 PPR points. And then we have the two tight ends. And I gave them both 75. 75 is a pretty popular number on this sheet. A lot of guys getting that many targets. They do spread it around a good amount in Tampa Bay. That's not unjustified. You can check me out there. Cameron Bray and OJ Howard, both with 75 targets, 46 receptions for Brait. 574 yards, six touchdowns. And for Howard, I have 50 receptions for 750 yards and six touchdowns. The key here is that while they may like Brait better, Winston especially may like Brait better, Howard has been more efficient. And he, that's shown up. And I think Fitzpatrick realized that and used him. If OJ Howard can, in the first three games, just like Godwin, establish himself over Brait, then even when Winston comes back in, that may not matter. Winston may grow to love Howard as well. So I have these two projected out pretty similarly. 140 points for Brait, 161 for Howard. That puts them both right inside or right around the top 10 tight ends, sitting right at the bottom. I think they were right at 9 and 10 last I checked. Maybe they pushed into 11. Either way, they're both right there on the outside. Not really streamers, probably. They will be owned, but someone you could pick up. And if I had to bet here, I would go Howard for the upside. More chance that he will be someone you can just leave in there than Brait, where you will probably want to play more matchups. Running game, we have 435 rush attempts. Ronald Jones is the big question mark here. I gave him 210 rush attempts. I think that's what he has shown he's been able to do in college. The question is... 
targets and receptions. I only gave him 30 targets and 24 receptions. I think there's too many other passing weapons that they are not going to waste targets on an inefficient pass catching back. They'll let him run the ball, 200 attempts, 882 yards for six touchdowns. That's 184 points. Peyton Barber will be there as a veteran to fill in, maybe depending on how they are with pass protection and so on. You know how coaches in the NFL can be sometimes. I gave him 125 attempts, three touchdowns, 94 points. Sims is still around here as a bit of a pass catching back along with Jakey's Rogers. The keys on this team are going to be to keep an eye on Howard and Godwin those first three games, I think. If they are showing out and you can get them, uh, they could be real values for you in the season. So we're going to move on. Lastly, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan, pretty consistent here. I have him for 525 attempts, 4,200 yards, 26 touchdowns, 11 interception. That's 267 points. Now Julio, I fully expect to get what he usually gets up around 150 targets, 90 receptions, 1,400 yards. The question's going to be, will the touchdowns come back? Now, he only had three last year. He's had as many as, he's had seasons with six and eight, just regular seasons, not his his big breakout season. And um, that gives him 277. I gave him seven touchdowns. I just felt like with as much volume as he had, especially targets in the red zone that that number could easily go up to seven it just seemed like a fair number for the volume he gets Muhammad Sanu not going anywhere he's still there 85 targets 60 receptions 622 yards four touchdowns 145 points this guy's a great value he's getting discounted forgotten about because Calvin Ridley came in rookie but I only have him for 75 yards, 48 receptions, 585 yards, three touchdowns, 125 PPR points. These are great numbers for a rookie. It's nothing. I'm not. I'm not dissing him. I wasn't a big fan of Calvin Ridley as a number one receiver somewhere. I thought this was a great place for him, and I do fully expect him to push Sanu out next year, maybe. But he's still a rookie. They still need three wide receivers. Who's the third one going to be? Is it going to be Justin Hardy? I don't think so. I have him for 30 targets. Uh, he's a deep ball option. If they want three receivers out there, it's going to be Jones, Sanu, and Ridley. Ridley isn't just going to take all the work. He will have to have some really big plays, high efficiency, to break out beyond this. That's what I believe. For running backs, we have Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman being the two incumbents here. 196 rush attempts for Freeman, 156. I mean, these are essentially last year's numbers. Didn't change it up much. Those are the common shares. 46% for Freeman, 36% for Coleman. And I carried those right into this year, 46, 37. The leftovers are going to go to Ryan gets a couple of rushes. And Ido Smith is the running back to know here as far as rookies. Tevin Coleman has a big contract. He's a free agent next year. Freeman, meanwhile, is signed for a few more years. If they do not keep Coleman in Dynasty, Edo Smith is a very interesting buy. You can pick him up later in rookie drafts if you still have them. He will look to be in line 
to step into Kevin Coleman's shoes next year. And we know how they use two backs. So if either of these guys gets injured, Ido Smith steps into a workload this year too. He hasn't flashed any you know amazing flashy plays in preseason that I've heard of, but he is in practice and the ability is there. Okay, we did it. Pushed through NFC South. That's it. Check out the website fusionffb.com for all of these for continually updated rankings. I went through a lot of snapshots and projections yesterday and updated uh, about a third of the teams, I believe. So check that out. Twitter at FusionFFB. Email me, FusionFFB at gmail.com. Any questions, concerns, uh, Some maybe I omitted something and you want to tell me about it. You want to yell at me for saying something stupid, let me know. Hey, I don't bring it up a lot, but this is a podcast. I do need listeners, supposedly, maybe one day. And if you can give me a rating and a comment even on iTunes or wherever, I'd much appreciate it. Let me know what you think. If you have something bad to say, I prefer you email it to me and maybe I can fix it. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.